Hey, welcome. It is seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Coming up, uh, we are going to hear from, uh, well, let me make sure I got the, you know, this. No, that's tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have Mark Tapscott on, uh, chief uh, congressional correspondent for the Epic Times, and uh, he's going to talk about the Senate border security bill, Ukraine aid, uh, and uh, the Mayorkas impeachment, uh, and some Hunter Biden news as well. Uh, that'll be tomorrow morning. Don't want to miss that because you can't go wrong. Oh, wait a minute. That'll be this morning, Brian. He'll be with us in a half an hour. I got that wrong. He'll be with us in a half an hour. Uh, all right. Uh, in the meantime, the inflation report didn't look too good. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be the one to say this, but we told you so. Uh, the uh, food up two point six percent, and if you're looking specifically, juices and drinks up twenty nine percent. Uncooked beef, uh, steaks, etc., up almost eleven percent. Baby food and formula up eight point seven. Uh, sugar up 7.2%. Uh, rent, uh, rents are just skyrocketing. We told you. Professor Murray Sabrin told you. It ain't over. And it's not. The stock market got scared. They dumped uh, a, a, a big load of uh, cash uh, out of the marketplace. Professor Murray Sabrin, pers- uh, Professor Emeritus Rampo College. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Gary. How you doing? I, I too, am well, and I suppose you want to go ahead and tell us about the weather in Florida. Go ahead, get it over with. <laughs> well, let's see. It's uh, 66 now. It's a cool day today. Uh, sort of uh, average temperature for this time of the year. And uh, we had some uh, a couple warm spells the other day. We uh, went over 80, which is very unusual for February. Yeah, you're but, breaking uh, my heart. I- <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the traffic down here in Southwest Florida has just increased uh, substantially since we moved down here nearly three years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're breaking my heart. Yeah. All right. Listen, uh, the inflation breakdown for January uh, is it's not pretty. And you said that we were, you know, we're not done. We still oh, got a problem. Yeah, by no means. I mean, once you go into this inflation cycle, and the last major inflation cycle we had went from the mid-60s to the early 80s. That was a 17-year cycle uh, between uh, the Vietnam War, the Great Society programs, and the Federal Reserve creating uh, uh, billions of dollars to finance all of this. Uh, prices went through uh, uh, these cycles, and we peaked at 12%, 14% inflation in the early 80s. And, uh, and Volcker came in in 79 and really put the uh, squeeze on interest rates, drove them up to 21%. And guess what happened? Inflation went from 12% to 3% in two short years. That was the good news. And that set the stage for the 80s boom. Uh, and so we've been on low inflation for nearly 40 years. And uh, because of COVID, uh, between Trump spending and Biden spending and the Federal Reserve creating trillions of dollars, that money is sloshing around the U.S. economy and uh, doing what it does best, uh, distort the economy, which means prices go up when they should be either flat or going down. And people don't realize that the uh, that the trend in a free market economy is for prices to slowly decline as you get more uh, productivity and a greater output of goods and services. But the government distorts it, distorts it with... with uh, with their inflation and, uh, and so this is the problem we have in this country is that we have uh, too much spending money printing too much regulation and of course uh, endless wars and is the, this is a toxic, toxic yeah. mix let, let me ask you this is the um, 
they're looking at uh, spending uh, billions of dollars on Ukraine and uh, aid yeah. to Israel. Is that uh, is that going to put a dent in our recovery? Well, what it's going to do is that it's going to increase the debt because all those dollars have to be borrowed. And so this is really outrageous. In fact, I just came up with an idea to get the people uh, who really support all these wars uh, to, to put up a shut up. That if you believe in these wars, your income tax should go up 100%. This way we don't have to borrow money to pay for them. Members of Congress should uh, donate half of their salaries to pay for the war. And this way people can put their money where their mouths are because th this is outrageous to pay for war war by, uh, uh, not war, well, essentially war by supporting uh, both uh, hostilities in, in Ukraine and the Middle East with borrowed money. And that's not the purpose of um, what the government should be doing. Uh, and we have a serious problem. And uh, let's see if members of Congress and the general public who believes in this will increase their taxes uh, when they have to file their return by April 15th. Professor Murray Saber and Professor Emeritus uh, at uh, Rampo College. And uh, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm I'm wondering if the Federal Reserve is doing the right thing right now by not raising rates, leaving them where they're at longer so that uh, the entire the effect of the hikes we've endured so far are fully felt before they move one way or the other. Yeah, this, this is going to be this is going to be the conundrum for the Fed. What if we get bad inflation reports in the next several months? The pressure will be on the Fed to raise rates, and that will really put a squash on the on the uh, stock market. On the other hand, if they keep rates flat here, while inflation uh, sort of stays the same, two three percent, two, uh, two tenths or three tenths of, uh, a month, then I think we could see the Fed eventually lower interest rates. But I think the people who were uh, optimistic in twenty. 24 that the rates would be coming down are going to be fooled because the only time rates come down is when there's a, a recession when the fed tries to quote stimulate the economy again and if the fed is going to lower rates that means they they see that the economy is really softening and we know that commercial real estate is in deep trouble there's going to be a, a trillion dollars worth of mortgage that that has to be refinanced over the next couple of years and uh rates are a lot higher than they were years ago when people used uh, short-term borrowing to uh, put together some projects. So when you put everything together, Gary, uh, I've been following this for a long time. You have also, if we, if the government and the Federal Reserve keep on intervening in the economy, we will get these cycles. And these cycles are terrible for people who uh, don't have the means to uh, navigate them uh, properly. That's why I wrote the book, Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle. So it could show people how to navigate uh, the ups and downs of the economy and come, uh, come away as, uh, as uh, unscathed as possible. Uh, last question. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. There's a candidate running for Senate in California who just recommended that we raise minimum wage, I hope you're sitting down, uh, to, to $50 an hour. <laughs> Why stop at 50? Why not make it $100 an hour? I mean, uh, th this shows you the economic illiteracy of the people who are running for office. I mean, uh, there should be no minimum wage. Wages should be determined by supply and demand as it is for every other good and service in the economy. And... Uh, when people make statements like that, Gary, you know that they're playing to the mob. Uh, this is the bread and circuses of the Roman Empire, and we're seeing it unfold right before our eyes. The, um, the reason she alleged that uh, she wanted this was because the cost of living in California is so high. Do you have any idea why it's as expensive as it is? Why is the cost of living there so high? 
and uh, so much lower in, say, Florida, where you're at? Well, the interesting thing is about the economy that I learned a long time ago. Eventually, prices uh, are the same all over the country. You give up plus or minus the uh, cost of uh, transportation. And we're seeing this in housing in Florida. Housing prices have skyrocketed. Gasoline prices are basically the same, except in Florida, because they have very high uh, gasoline taxes. But you go to uh, for, for basic foodstuffs and, um, and clothing and things like that. Prices are basically the same uh, with, with slight variation. But um, California, first of all, you had a lot of demand, a lot of money from Silicon Valley and the entertainment industry uh, driving up prices there. And, um, and taxes and regulation dri- tend to drive up prices. And so uh, if you're a middle-class family in California, you're just struggling by, even at $100,000 a year income, which is very good in, in a lot of parts of the country. All right. Uh, let them know where they can find your Substack column. Uh, com, and I'll be writing uh, some pieces uh, over the next few weeks about how to solve the mess that we're in from healthcare to education to, uh, to the Middle East uh, and uh, all these unnecessary military adventures that the United States has been in, involved in since the end of World War II. It's, it's going to bankrupt the country, uh, at least the government sector. And uh, that's, I think, the, the road that we've been traveling on for the past uh, 75 years since the end of World War II. Well, I, I certainly hope they pay more attention to you than they have to me, because I've been making this argument forever. Uh, and I don't, I just don't see how how the voting public don't don't get it, why they think there's just this endless supply of money that they can give away. All right. Professor, thank you for being with us. Thanks so much, Gary. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care. Professor Murray Sabrin. Uh, All right. uh, Coming up, we were told that the federal government was being, well, informed that Trump and Russia were working together. These people out of the blue contacted the Biden administration or the uh, uh, the uh, Obama administration with this news. But is it true? I don't think so. That's next. Good morning. It is uh, 21 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you on board with us. Uh, coming up, the uh, Epic Times is going to be on board with us. And uh, we are going to uh, have Mark Tapscott with us. He is their chief congressional correspondent. He's been focusing on the Senate border security bill uh, on Ukraine aid and the Mayorkas impeachment along with Hunter Biden. So he'll be on at about 1035. You want to hear what he has uncovered. In the meantime, uh, and this story is at um, uh, thereaderapp.com. FBI started spying on the Trump campaign after foreign governments... Just, just happened uh, to discover evidence that uh, Trump's advisors were colluding with the Russians, and you know that's what started the whole Russia collusion thing. They they just by chance stumbled upon this and and called us and and told the CIA that this is a problem and the FBI. Except there may be a problem with that. Apparently, uh, multiple credible sources are saying the CIA asked foreign allies to spy on 26 Trump associates. The CIA had foreign uh, allies spy on, tr- on the Trump team. They, th- this is just how crooked 
and powerful big government is. President Obama, John Brennan, uh, then Dominique to be the uh, director of the CIA on January 7th. Uh, these guys were all fully aware of what was going on. Nobody stumbled upon some connection with Russia. We asked people to see if they could find anything. We invited them to create something. The end justifies the means. That ought to be what they, they ought to have right under that jackass that is the logo for the Democrats. The end justifies the means. We don't care what it takes to get us there. We'll do it. Because it's, it's how they operate. On uh, the Biden economy, Gene is on the line. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. Hey, on the questions you ask about the American people's knowledge of Biden's computer and inflation, I'm curious where they're going to get that message, because it's not going to come from liberal newspapers or radios. I don't know how many conservative radios there are across the country. There's the Epic Times. I can tell you that most of the readers for conservative are probably over the age of 40, if not 50. So millennials, Gen Zs, et cetera, get their news from TikTok or uh, Snapchat or whatever. So how do you get the word out? Well, you know, I have to go dig it up. I have to go look. I've got to find out what's going on in the world. Why aren't they doing that? Uh, too much uh, TV time, too much uh, time uh, <laughs> playing games uh, on their phones. You know, I can guarantee you people under 40 aren't digging anything up on it. Well, you know, there's an old saying, with age comes wisdom. That's and true, but there aren't enough of us. <laughs> well, Brian's old enough for both of us. Uh, well, no, but what I'm what I'm getting to here is a lot of these young kids who are getting their news sources from there are still naive enough to believe that when the government says something, it's true, or that when their liberal professor tells something, uh, tells them something, it's true. But when you get older, after you've been let down time and time again, you eventually start saying, "Well, that can't be true," and then you start doing your homework. So true. maybe. Maybe somewhere down the road they'll wake up. But my, my concern, actually, Gene, is that the country will collapse before that becomes an issue. Uh, yeah, I fear that myself. So, Yeah, the financial... All right, well, I'm just curious. Yeah, um, that's all I can tell you. I, I just think that uh, they're naive. They've been indoctrinated in government schools. A lot of this is our fault. A lot of this well, is our fault. We didn't... We didn't fight to get rid of government schools. We 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 didn't uh, we we went along with Social Security, knowing that it was going broke. Uh, we're partly responsible. Yes, sir. All I right. agree. Thanks, Gene. Hopefully, there's hope. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you in the Gary Nolan Show. Yeah, we're partly responsible. We kept voting for people who made all these promises. We never looked into it. We, we never looked into, uh, you know, the, the finances. We never paid attention to the reports that said uh, Medicare was going broke in just a couple of years or that um, uh, Social Security would be broke or at least uh, diminished financially uh, a few years after that. It's, it's years down the road. Somebody will handle it. Somebody will come up with a solution. We'll, we'll take the money from the rich. We'll be okay. Well, no, we won't. No, 
We won't. Hey, Brian, I haven't gone to look at the national debt lately. Have you looked at the debt clock? Uh, $34 trillion something. Well, we knew that, yeah, but I'm just curious to see uh, how much beyond that $34 Because it's, it's, not, it's not been too terribly long uh, since we crossed over $34 trillion. It but is $34,230 right now. $230 billion? Correct. Wow, that didn't take long, did it? That did not take long. <sighs> Lord, I hope we wake up. Um, all right, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. I don't know if you saw this story. Brian, did you see the story about uh, the Missouri Department of Transportation claiming that an unborn baby that was killed in a crash was an employee? No, I did not see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the story is in the Columbia Missourian um, and, and uh, written by uh, Grant Green. This is Caitlin Anderson was nearly six months pregnant and an employee of the Missouri Department of Transportation when a vehicle struck and killed her at a work site. The Missouri Department of Transportation has attempted to claim Anderson's unborn child as an employee, which would make the case a workers' comp issue rather than a wrongful death suit. I, I don't know. You know, I believe uh, life begins at conception, but I, I don't know of any fetus that's working for the Department of Transportation or anybody else. Let me go to the phones on the economy. Sharon is on the line. Good morning. Good morning. I heard an interview on TV the other day that the reporter was asking people if they were going to vote for Biden or Trump, and this lady said, well, I'm, I voted for uh, Biden the first time, but I'm going to vote for Trump the next time because she said, I'm making more money than I ever have in my whole life, and I'm broker than I've ever been in my whole life, and that sums it up, she said. Yeah, and that's probably what's going on. They're saying that wages are catching up, but I, I think they're catching. The, the reason people are making more money is they're working more jobs. Yeah, they're having to work two or three just to make ends meet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sharon. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Yeah, a lot of that's what this unemployment. That's what made this unemployment report look so screwy last time. That, and I honestly believe they're fudging the numbers. I do. I think they're fudging the numbers. I think they're doing it to help Biden. But I don't think they, that it'll last. Uh, I, I think they're at some point they're going to have to do a correction. And they did a lot of it last year, a lot of corrections. And, and they were all, uh, you know, lowering the number of people in the previous report. The problem is that the news media grabs the report the day it's released and it's out there. Jobs created. X number of jobs created. What a great report. And then a week later, two weeks later, another report comes out and says, oh, they were overestimated. They, they, they're nowhere near those kinds of numbers. But nobody reports that. Nobody goes, oh, boy, those numbers that we reported last week, week before, they're, they're way off. Well, they're the, the, nowhere near that many jobs are created. So people think that things might be getting better until they go shopping. Mark Tapscott going to be with us. Epic Times next on the Gary Nolan Show. Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.
All right, it is uh, 1035. Glad to have you with us and glad to be with you. Uh, I am literally, uh, uh, we're supposed to have. There you go, Brian. All right, thank you. All right. Um, He he wanted me to uh, loan him some money to insulate his house. (laughs) So, you know, I've already paid for the windows. Uh, it's only ten dollars. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> it's a small, so just a little bit of insulation. Just a down payment, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark Tapscott is going to be with us, and uh, he, of course, is with the Epic Times, and uh, he's been focused on the Senate border security bill and the uh, Ukraine aid and uh, the Mayorkas impeachment thing, along with Hunter Biden. So we've got a lot of ground to cover with Mark, and. This Mayorkas thing, I'm telling you, this is a can of worms. Uh, I got some messages uh, last night and yesterday afternoon about my position on Mayorkas. If, and and I guess now they're going to try it, they will impeach him. First off, it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. It will die in the Senate right away. But it's, it's a lesson... That the Republicans are teaching the Democrats about what uh, what to do if they don't like a Republican cabinet member's, um, you know, the, 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 whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. It could be uh, somebody else in charge of this or the economy or uh, any cabinet member they want they can go after because the Republicans taught them they can. So I think this is a mistake I wish they hadn't done it. I understand their their uh, you know concern, but I think this was done for purely political purposes. I think it was a mistake. But anyway, Mark Tapscott has been following all that, and he's following with us. Uh, and he's uh, been following all that. He's with the uh, Epic Times, and he's on board with us now. Mark, good morning. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay, except I'm, I'm hearing a, a yeah, an echo. Why are we here. hearing an echo here? Um, hmm, not sure why that is. Huh. Uh, let me let me try this. Is that better? Uh, let me see here. I can still hear me in the background. I don't know why. I don't know why. All right. So let me just do that. Let me do this, Mark. I'm, I'll ask the question, uh, and then uh, listeners will get to hear it twice. <laughs> but you only have to answer it once. I think that uh, this uh, Mayorkas deal is a bad idea. Uh, I think it's going to it's going to teach the Democrats to do that to uh, cabinet members of the of the next Republican administration. Right. Where do you think it's going? Do you think it's going to pass? Well, I, I don't I don't expect the uh, the Senate to certainly not to convict. And frankly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even you know convene a trial. Um, they do. The Senate can. Uh, suspend its rules and just basically ignore what the House did uh, with the impeachment resolution. Um, that wouldn't surprise me a bit. Your your point though about um, was was it a good idea or a bad idea for the uh, House Republicans to impeach Mayorkas? Um, you and, and Congressman Mike Gallagher uh, from Wisconsin uh, are thinking right along the same lines because his point was. Uh, and the reason he voted against the impeachment resolution both times 
uh, was precisely that if you do that, doing is, uh, as he put it, opening a Pandora's box for, um, you know, routinely impeaching uh, members of the other uh, party's presidential administration or cabinets simply because, you know, they have policy differences rather than uh, uh, criminal conduct. Yeah, that's my greatest that's, fear. Yeah, and I, I understand that. And the other side, the other response to that is that uh, it's clear whether he did, <laughs> did it on his own or if Mayorkas was simply doing what Biden told him to do, which in my view is probably the more likely. Uh, the fact is he did not enforce the law as Congress wrote the law, according to the Republicans. And in several cases, which they documented, I thought, pretty effectively, he um, not, he didn't merely not enforce it. He actually directed that they do the opposite of what the law required. And if you let that go, you, uh, you're you inviting more of that in the future. So, you know, it's <laughs> I, 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 I tend myself just, you know, as a as an individual. I, I tend to think that um, if I had to make a choice one way or the other, I'd probably agree with you that uh, this this is just you're opening a can of worms that's not going to be able to be put back back in. Yeah, I mean the Democrats taught the Republicans uh, with judicial appointees uh, the nuclear option, and they engaged in it. Why don't the Republicans think the Democrats will learn from them? Um, I don't know. All right, let yeah. me let me move on because uh, there is more. Uh, the Tony Bobulinski um, testimony on Hunter Biden and and uh, Joe Biden, I thought was a, a pretty uh, a, a, a incriminating. Well, I, I have to confess, I was preoccupied yesterday with the Mayorkas doings, um, so I wasn't able to pay as much attention to that as I uh, would have liked to. But I can I can assure you that. You know, I, I didn't hear anything that uh, Bobulinski had not already said, you know, way back in the uh, interviews with, with Tucker Carlson, back when Tucker was still with Fox. Yeah, he um, said he said under oath that, that uh, Joe Biden's the big guy. And, yeah. you know, that should be enough for any prosecutor to say, well, gee, we better be looking into the banking records of the Biden family. Yeah, but he's such a he's such a you know he's such a nice guy and such, you know he's an elderly guy and he can't remember his own name or where his office is or where the men's room is so you know why why would we prosecute him he's such yeah, a nice guy he'd be such a sympathetic uh, yeah <laughs> all right let's move on because the Senate has passed uh, this uh, Ukraine deal uh, spending. Billions of dollars the country doesn't have. Mm -hmm. um, I, I tend to be more mm -hmm. along the lines of Rand Paul on this. Does the House pass this? I don't think so, and and I think this this issue, uh, as it happened, I uh, stayed up late Saturday to um, um, uh, to follow Mike Lee's uh, speech on the Senate floor. Um, to a mostly empty chamber, uh, but he did a, I thought, a very, very effective job of making the case that 
Um, the country for three years has had open borders through which 8 million or more people who we have no idea who they are, we have no idea what kind of background they came from, many of them are uh, young men of military age, which is really uh, disturbing when you think about it. We've had, had that for three years. So why in the world are we sending $60 billion that we don't have, that we have to borrow, and yet more debt piled on to future generations? Why are we doing that instead of taking care of our own border? Um, you know, that was, that was Trump's basic point back in 2016. And American politics was fundamentally changed by that. And I, I think it's, uh, Rand Paul made the exact same point over and over again in his, his Senate speeches before the, uh, the big vote on the supplemental. And, you know, that's, that's one of those issues that it, it's not going to go away. Uh, if anything, it's going to get more intense because the flood keeps coming. And, you know, even Christopher Ray, the FBI director, says it's only a matter of time before one or more of these people that we just allowed to walk right in proves to be a terrorist. And lots and lots and lots of Americans uh, have to pay a price and a bloody price at that. It's uh, it's amazing. Did you see the report about all these Chinese nationals that they just caught yeah. in, in yeah. California? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's how much more evidence do we have to have before we realize this is a catastrophe? This is a catastrophe. We're we're literally being invaded and we're doing nothing about it. Well, I, I, I think we should be able to uh, at the border. Um, find out who they are, what their background is, see if they want to come here and work. If they want to come here and work, that's all that... It, I don't care if they're not refugees from a country that's trying to kill them. If they just want to come here and work, we should let them come here and work. Oh, uh, I, I, absolutely. You know, that's, that's America. We're, we're the original place where everybody wanted to come. But we need to know who they are. Yep. <laughs> And, and, we're, and that's that's just fundamental. And and if they happen to be a 21 year old guy, who um, you know we can't document, who is he really? That's 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 a problem. That's a big problem. Well, if if um, I don't think the Democrats are going to fix it, and I don't think the Republicans are going to fix it. Neither well, party here, will here, fix it. Here here's the real problem. Let's just say that you know. <laughs> For better or worse, Donald Trump is reelected come November. There's 8 million plus of these people, and the government has no idea where they are. How in the world, how, how in the world are we going to be able to round all these people up? Um, you know, this, this, is, this has become a, this is a festering Store, a festering wound that uh, I don't know if it's ever going to heal. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, if you just turn the radio on, Mark Tapscott is with us, the Epic Times, and uh, get, be a subscriber. I'm telling you, you're going to get news from the Epic Times, an opinion that you're not getting anywhere else. Uh, I, I highly recommend the Epic Times. In fact, 
Uh, unlike uh, the old days when your newspaper showed up in the morning or the afternoon, uh, the Epic Times shows up several times a day. They'll send me emails and updates on stories they're covering. And you guys have a crossword puzzle, too. I'm a puzzle head. Yes, we do. So, <laughs> just one more reason to subscribe. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. It is my pleasure. Let's do this again sometime. You got it. Mark Tapscott, the Epic Times. All right. Uh, I, I've been arguing about legalizing uh, drugs with people, and they keep telling me, they keep sending me these stories about surging crime and, and uh, the fatalities involved in the war on, on you know on, in, in places like Oregon where they've legalized drugs. Well, now you're going to hear the rest of the story. Forgive me, Paul Hardy. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It's 10.53. Glad to have you with it. I'm chuckling because this uh, Bobolinsky testimony is, uh, they're talking about it right now on Fox News. And I was just chatting with Brian about it. And I said, I, if I were him, I would hire uh, some security guards uh, because at some point he's going to probably want to commit suicide and, and uh, he won't be able to testify. It'll be, you know, one of those mysterious things. Uh, we've seen it happen before. Oh, man, I would, I, I seriously, if I were him, I would hire security because something's going to happen to him sure as hell. I've been, uh, every time I see one of these stories about uh, the war on drugs, I try to point out that the problem is we are trying to get between somebody who wants to sell something to somebody who wants to buy something. And any time you want to get in the middle of that, it is inherently dangerous for law enforcement. And when you begin prohibiting these kinds of things, it creates a black market. And the black market is far more dangerous than the product itself. And every time I get into one of these stories, somebody sends me a story about how, um, you know, crime is up in, uh, in, in uh, those states that, legalized drugs and it's because these drugs are legalized and we shouldn't you know we got to keep doing the fight and and, and these are well-meaning people these are people and, and if you're one of these people who think the drug war is is uh something that we need to pursue i don't think you're doing it out of you know spite or that you're evil you have been raised to believe that if we legalize drugs the country will fall apart and I know because I was brainwashed the same way. I, for years, believed that. I've come a long way since then. But every time I bring this up, somebody will send me a story. The latest ones that I've seen are the uh, drug deaths in Oregon. They're saying that by legalizing drugs, uh, there is you know, an increase in drug deaths in Oregon. And now Oregon is thinking of making them uh, illegal again. The big problem, of course, isn't the state of Oregon. It, it, it is actually the federal government. You, you still, even in Oregon, can't just open up a drug emporium. Uh, it, it's, it's still got to be under the table because the feds will come after you. So... I get these stories that, uh, boy, they're just this huge increase. Recent research finds no evidence that it did, undermining a key claim 
uh, by critics of the policy. Reason Magazine, Oregon is considering legislation that would recriminalize low-level drug possession, reversing a landmark reform that voters approved of in 2020, although critics of that ballot initiative, Measure 110, cite escalating drug-related deaths. Decriminalization is not responsible for that trend. Opioid overdose fatalities have been rising nationwide for more than 20 years. That trend was accelerated by the fentanyl push. As I pointed out in the past, when you're smuggling, you want to smuggle the smallest quantity you can. And fentanyl is so powerful that you could put it in a Ziploc bag in your pocket and have enough of a, of a powerful drug to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's just easier than bales of marijuana or anything else. So as long as we have the war on drugs, we're going to have fentanyl coming into the country because it's the easiest thing to smuggle. Uh, so th- this has been going on for 20 years. It's a heroin booster and a substitute. And th- those deaths have been going up in western states for 20 years. Overdose mortality rates started climbing in the Northeast, South, and Midwest in 2014 as the percent of deaths related to fentanyl increased. This is from uh, an epidemiologist uh, named Alex Crail and his colleagues uh, in a conference in Salem, Oregon last month. Overdose mortality rates in Western states did not start rising until 2020 during COVID-19 and a year after the uh, the introduction of fentanyl. The lag explains why Oregon has seen a sharper rise in opioid-related deaths than most of the country since 2020. But so have California, Nevada, and Washington, and neighboring states where the drug possession remains a crime. Decriminalization under Measure 110 took effect February 2021, and a 2023 Journal of Health Economics study estimated that it was associated with 23% increase in unintentional drug overdose deaths that year. But after adjusting for the rapid escalation of fentanyl, Brown University public health researchers reported uh, at the Salem Conference analysis found no association between the legalization of these drugs uh, and fatal drug overdose rates. If the other states surrounding Oregon didn't legalize these drugs and had the same escalation, then it's not the legalization of the drugs. Just saying. All right. uh, We talked about $50 an hour minimum wage. Well, that's going to lead to the mechanization of labor. John Stossel covered that. We'll share it with you next on The Gary Nolan Show. Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show 